0: You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru. Good evening, Michael. Good evening, Andre. Matt, we've had a really great stream of repeat guests. Yes, we have. And um, you had a chance to interview who we are talking to today earlier. But I think you were talking more about entry-level wines in yeah, the it was portfolio. 2000,
1: 2017. Like, when we, when we first started uh, first started going weekly, I think, uh, this, uh, this gentleman, um, we were reached out by family wine merchants. And they said, would you like to come and talk to him? And he was, he was actually at Henry of Pelham. Okay. Uh, I think he was in St. Catharines or Niagara for a dinner. And they said, would you like to come talk to him before he does the dinner? And I said, love to. So we tasted through some, as you said, lower lower end wines, but not all low end.
0: I, I prefer using the word entry level to, to low end. Entry level means affordable. And when you're talking about a great producer, yeah. entry level just means the wines are affordable. They're still good quality.
1: We did try some really interesting stuff and we got to try some whites when I was there. We didn't get to try whites this time.
0: No. I'm okay with that. We had a chance to sit down with Miguel Torres. Again. And we got to taste a $500 bottle of wine today. And
1: other stuff that was really, really good. So, you know what, I think we'll let Miguel tell you about them because he's a really good storyteller. Maybe
0: you should introduce our guest, Michael. Have some manners for a change.
1: Well, this is, uh, I I can't say his his last part of his name. It's Miguel Torres, but how do you say that last
2: part? It's impossible. It's Thank still, you. still me. I have tried many times, but I cannot. You, g- you don't know. G- that's <laughs> good. All right.
1: So it's not just me. So we got, so we got Miguel Torres with us again, as it, as it turns out.
0: And you know what my favorite thing about this is, I wasn't included on the last podcast that you did, but this time we've got the good stuff.
1: This is the high-end spread. Yeah. yeah so. Which I think
0: is fitting, as we recently just talked about, how you don't think... He any bottle of wine is worth more than $100. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I now, don't want to
1: pay more than $100. And now everybody
0: thinks I'm rolling in the dough, but I don't mind spending more than $100 on some wine. So I'm looking forward to maybe finding something to pick up in the classics catalog coming up in the fall or ordering from, you, you from Denderhand.
1: You're making more money than I am. I'm a writer
0: full-time. You are... Uh, that's true. I got, I got my fingers in a few pies. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, okay.
1: So Miguel, you're here in town. We're in Toronto. We're actually uh, at One King West. And um, why are you in town, first of all? Let's
2: well, uh, we are here to see some friends and to share these new vintages of the single vineyard wines that we make in Catalonia. Uh, from different appellations, there's a Penedes here, where we started to make wine almost 150 years ago. We have a Conca de Barbera, where we make the Grands Murallas. And at the end, uh, two wines from the Priorat, uh, that is this magical wine region that uh, it's, uh, everybody's talking about.
0: Uh? What makes the region magic? What's going on there?
2: Well, this is, a, this is a very ancient region, and when you go there, what you see is that it's all about mountains of slate soil. Uh? And this slate, really, with the varieties that they have, especially the Cariñena and the Garnacha, they bring a, such a unique character into the wines. You know? Uh, Priorat is one of the places in the world that has kept this uh, uh, heroic viticulture, no? Because uh, all the vineyards are planted in these uh, uh, slopes, uh, some also in terraces, but the most heroic ones are in, in slopes where it's impossible to, to put any machine there. Everything has to be done by hand. Uh, it's, uh, it's an amazing work. It's an amazing work. So,
0: so how steep do these, uh, do these hills get?
2: Well, as a steep that if you uh, put the wrong step, you you just go down, you know. So okay. it's, it's very that's steep, steep yes. Okay. <laughs> so a so
0: German type kind of steep, yeah, very yeah, painful so. ride down, taking out some grapevines on the way. I'm guessing <laughs> that's
1: a, that's German steep, or maybe uh, maybe both uh, well, for a yes, Zou- very much, or like uh, Douro in Portugal. Douro in Portugal doro doro
2: doro 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 doro. is yeah, it's 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 kind of and as you know, slate always bring this this great characteristic into the wine. This these mineralities. These can be big, big wines, but they are balanced. Uh, in general, the, the pH of uh, wines in slate is very low. So it's, it's really a quite, unique, uh, a quite unique combination that nature allows us to do in this place. Uh. So I know you're limited on
1: time for us. She's already done that. Hmm. <laughs> with your camera? No, with her own. So we'll ask her to send them to us. Well,
0: why don't you get some with your
1: camera? No, no, she's doing a good job. Okay. We're talking about Carolyn, who's. We always try to get pictures of our podcast, And we and often forget. We it. always forget. It's so enamored about the wine, and we forget
0: that even though this is an audio
1: format, we need a picture of you somehow. And for some reason, okay. people like
0: to see pictures of you and me. Yeah. So there yes. you go. And you so, are. Very handsome. It. That'd be great. Is, uh, that's normal. So, yeah. it's, it's interesting <laughs> when you talk about uh, balance in these wines. We haven't tasted any of these wines. There are five wines in front of us, and we'll try to get through them in an efficient manner. But even just smelling the nose on these, they do smell like there is some heat on them, but mm. they don't smell overdone or confected. Like mm. they I don't smell getting, alcoholic either. No, they mm. don't. Absolutely. They do They do have that, that restraint. Absolutely. I, I want to
1: guess there's probably at least one or two wines here with 15% alcohol though. Uh,
2: yes. In generally in Spain, is it, is, is it reach 14, 14.5? Uh, yeah. So, and, and in the Priorat, uh, yeah, it's, it's close to 15, m- many years, many years. Yes. Yes. But it's uh, you know again at, at the end on a, on a wine the the balance is not uh, just one component no there are, there are many components and at the end is the perception that you have in mouth no so so these wines they uh, in the Virat, they happen to have a great uh, a great structure they 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 really have a great character but at the same time they are elegant you know and they are balanced. So, speaking
0: of elegance. Yeah, which, which wine do you want us to start with? Well, probably. I'm, well, I'm going to go from left to right as. Yeah, as this as is on how. This, map. I think this is what, is what we Gilles should do.
2: We should do that. We should do that.
1: So, speaking of elegance, the, the one wine that I, I would think most people know Torres for is the Mazla Plana.
2: Hmm. Yes, okay. So,
1: uh, you, would you like to tell us a story about Mazla Plana, how you end up? yeah getting this wine because it really is a fascinating story
2: well actually well my my father should be here to explain better this uh, story because he was the one that that made this wine and the first vintage was 1970 and uh when i asked him about master plana uh i said well why, but why do you plant Cabernet cavernet sauvignon in spain no because we have so many garnachas and cariñenas and and uh, mm-hmm. autochthonous varieties but he said that that in the 60s and the 70s it was, it was uh, very, very tough for the people to understand uh, that go uh, further than Cabernet Sauvignon, you know, when we're talking about great, great wines in the world, no? Is, uh, this is the time uh, where uh, Antinorris pla- uh, planted the Cabernet to make the Super Tuscans. Uh, we also saw this in California, and, and, uh, and to prove that Spain could be a great wine region, first we have to prove that we could make a great Cabernet Sauvignon. And this wine actually opened the doors to make many other wines with with our own varieties but but Masa plana was a, was a, was a very important part of history in uh, our family. Uh, actually, I can tell you that that when my father made the first uh, Mastaplana, uh, there was a big trouble in the family because my grandfather. Really did not like this this wine, and they were, you know, arguing the whole day the, the wine is good, the wine is bad.
0: What was the What was the big concern? What did What did the grandfather not like?
2: Well, my, my my grandfather was a traditionalist, you know, on that side, uh, right. and my father wanted to experiment and to try new things, and uh, you know, on those times to plant Cabernet was a bit crazy there, and uh, and well, then the the thing is that they were arguing for several years until they. They put this wine in uh, in the Golmillo Wine Olympics in Paris, uh, thanks to an idea of my grandmother. She was a smart lady. <laughs> and then uh, it was a great scandal because uh, the Mazda Plana, that that first experimental Cabernet Sauvignon from Spain, it got the first position in this important competition. What, and, year and was, this? what year was this? 1979, now in 1979. And then my, of course, my grandfather, you know, uh, he was smart enough to say, "Well, yeah, this bottle is a bit better now. Now you can keep making it, you know. It's not bad. It's not bad." Yes.
1: Behind every great man is a great woman. <laughs> yeah. so, no, this is a very, very good. There's lots of power here. There's a there's a there's that slight minerality to it. Mm-hmm. Uh but there is a lot of a lot of power. Uh it's definitely an ageable wine. I think this absolutely. 2015 is is very young.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh it's a wine that uh that with uh, with the last decades, I, I say that that uh, we have tried to to make a wine uh, uh, more elegant and, and trying to find more finesse. You, you can see a, maybe a difference with the Mazda Plana of the 90s that were a bit more structured on that side. But it's true that uh, this is a vintage, uh, this is a wine that can age very well. We can still open bottles of Mazda Plana of the 70s. I just opened one in New York from 1978 that was magnificent. And, and you can really see that some uh, Mediterranean wines have a, a fantastic, fantastic aging potential.
0: I mm. the, the acids are fantastic. They, yep. The acid is really what's yeah. keeping it right together. Like, the, it's the backbone Absolute. of this line. Like, there's yeah. that Absolutely. chalky tannins to it. There's yeah. almost a saline quality to it also. But it, it's still got that, like, really super ripe, like, blackberry blackcurrant jam well, the fruit but is, fruit but, is really good but, but its the acid's keeping it from invading the palate it's keeping it from having that californian feel to it, which i'm not saying is a bad mm-hmm. thing i love my california cab and i love that feeling you know with the right food with the right mood this is something that's just got that restraint and yeah. elegance right. this is just outstanding i like
1: i yeah, it's one of these wines i'd like to see in about 15 20 years just to see you know watch that fruit come out watch that watch the tannin soften up a little bit. Watch that
0: oak. I'm trying to think when I would what I would hit this cuz I like, I like my wines a little bit a little bit younger, but it's kind of tough to even guess on this. When when does the tannin really start to soften if you like these wines young mm-hmm. where it's just a lot of that really youthful vibrant fruit but the tannin's relaxing. Like when would you open it if that's how you like to drink mm-hmm, your wines?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I would say that this that is different, you know, the I would say the wines that uh, that we make now with Master Plana, where where you, I mean, this two thousand fifteen, you, you you can uh, enjoy now and have uh, still a lot of pleasure. But it's true that it will take probably uh, seven or uh, eight years to really you know when you when you find this deep complexity that really makes a like a massal plana classic. No, uh, but in the past, you know, when we talk about the massal planas of the seventies or of the eighties, it uh, you know the the tannic structure was was more present, and you even need more time. To, to have the, the kind of finesse that, that we have now with the wines, you know? But, uh, but this was a style, you know, this was what happened in, in Spain, but also in Bordeaux and in many places. Yeah. And these vines were planted in 71, you say? The, the vines were planted the year 64. Uh? Oh, 64, so uh, okay, yes, so they're yes. even older than I thought. And it was, uh, it was thanks to, well, my, my father was uh, on those times very obsessed with the Cabernet Sauvignon. And thanks to a friend of him that was called Jean Leon, you know, yeah. that he was actually the first one that planted the Cavernet in the Penedes, one region. And he, uh, John Leon stole the vines from Lafitte Rochelle and from Chateau La Lagoon. And she, <laughs> she passed them through, uh, you know, through the border that was very illegal, you know. And then, uh, and then well, we, uh, we also got some of these cuttings and we started planting Masta Plana, yes. That's an amazing story.
1: <laughs> So we should move on uh, to something we have in front of us called Reserva Real. Mm -hmm. So tell us what this wine is.
2: Well, Reserva Real, uh, it's a a borderless uh, blend with Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, and Cabernet Franc. And uh, and you would ask, why why do you have like a Cabernet-based wine if we have also Massa Plana? Well, this is a a completely uh, different vineyard with a soil that has a slate soil. And slate soil in the Penedes, I would say that is an anomaly because most of the soils are more uh, calcareous, uh, clay, uh, sometimes a luvial base, but uh, uh, slate is almost impossible to find, except for a very, uh, it's, it's kind of a corridor close to the mountains. And there we, we have two families, where one of them that, that have, the, have, the, have this property and we can grow vineyards there. Uh.
0: Black it, it, licorice, campfire smoke, and blueberry. Well, you're just wine already. Oh, it's it's hard to not get sucked into the glass, but just, just like with the, the Masla Plana, it's the acid that's pulling this together because the, the aromas are super ripe. I I, not, I, like, I absolutely right. love the fruit
1: in this wine. Yeah. And I, I, I'm just, I guess, surprised that... that you would have a Bordeaux blend, not, you know, a Cabernet mix, I guess a little bit of sense after you mm. tell it, but mm. I mean, to have a full-on Bordeaux blend in Spain yeah. seems a little, you know, I would have thought there was maybe some Grenache in here, but yeah. it's just straight on Bordeaux. Yes, and, yes,
2: uh, yes. But yes uh, uh, well, but, you know, I, I feel like uh, that is a wine that also, uh, I mean, has its own personality on the, on the fact that it's... Uh, it's, it's quite different even when, when you taste it, you know, from, uh, from a wine from Bordeaux, it has the varieties, but here the soils really make a footprint that uh, has to, 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 it's a very classic wine. Maybe it has a point more of uh, austerity than the plana. but it has these this, uh, this, uh, this tannins that, uh, that, that are slightly more present than in Plana. This is a wine also with a huge uh, aging potential. But it's but it's more classic. It's true. It's, it's, it's more classic. It's like these wines that we were making maybe you know like uh, uh, twenty years ago on that side. Uh, I love
1: how I love how the red fruit jumps out. And yeah. Then the, bla- the black fruit kind of comes in right at the back, and then as you said, there's that liquor. Well, and and that sa- like, there's a
0: lot of like uh, like s- savory and confected mm-hmm. notes in it, but it's, it's all in perfect harmony with the with the acidity to this mm-hmm. wine. <laughs> uh, and I know you said that this is more uh, austere, which I, I think a lot of people generally think is chunkier tannins, like tannins that just grip that back of your tongue with the tannins, no, so no, soft and yeah, well-integrated, yeah, yeah. no, 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 no. like, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I mean sure, I'm sure I probably should wait 10 years <laughs> if I had a bottle of this. I don't know if I could wait that long.
2: Yeah, I know you can also enjoy it, no? But but I'm saying in comparison with uh, Masaplana, no? Masaplana no. Has, this, uh, has this velvet in the mouth, no? That is... Uh, I like it very much.
1: Yeah. I, the, I, I really like this one. This mm-hmm. is fantastic. This is one we obviously didn't try last time he was he was on the podcast. So uh, yeah, that's. I'm yeah. just I'm I'm actually blown away by that and the, and the grape selection. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around that.
2: Fantastic. So, moving on to the uh, Grand... Grands murallas. Okay, another grand, word I can't pronounce. Uh, Grandes like uh, grand grand Murallas. Uh, it means like uh, like great wall, no? Because it's uh, actually, it's not so big, but it's, uh, but it's a small, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's a small wall that uh, goes around an abbey uh, of the Cistercian monks in a place, in an appellation called Conca de Barberá. Conca de Barberá, just for you to have an idea, is more or less uh, in the middle between the Penedes and the Priorat One region, uh?
1: I'd like you to repeat that.
2: Conca de Barberà. I want Andre. To, I don't know I Andre to repeat
1: that. Uh, yeah, gone. <laughs> so one of the great. There's a
2: there's a lovely chocolate. I, I, I can't no, right? see con-
0: Yes. Con-
2: Conca de Barberà. Con- Conca con- de Barberà. Con- 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 yeah, very. you con- see. Con- con- yeah, well done. Exactly. There it is. Conca
0: de Barberà.
2: There we go. That's it. I like his version better. Sounds a lot better coming out of Miguel's mouth. I'm going to disagree with you on that. So. So this, this uh the interesting thing about this wine is that it's made with uh five varieties. Uh some of them they will be familiar to you if you if you like Spanish wine like carnacha, cariñena, like Monastrell, But uh it has two varieties that probably they are they are new to you. Uh these are the Querol and the Garro, okay? Yep. Querol mean. and Garro, okay. Quero and Garro are two of the selected ancestral varieties. you, okay. you haven't
0: done a video of those great Quero uh, and, and Garros that were sent to you? <laughs> no, no, i never had it. it. <laughs> so, so,
2: so tell
1: us
0: about those varieties, I guess. Okay.
2: Then. So, um, uh, 30 years ago, we started a project with, uh, the idea in mind that probably in Catalonia, there were still some, uh, ancient varieties that used to be grown before the phylloxera before the big plague and that maybe now they were growing wild you know because the vines are very resistant and a vine can grow you know going through a tree or close to a river on a wild basis no so uh, how do you recover a variety that has disappeared no that that was the question so the idea was to put uh, ads in the local newspapers and we were telling to the people if you find a vine that you don't know what it is call the Torres family and we are going to go there and check, you know. <laughs> uh, it, it, it was crazy because we believed that no one was going to call us and people started to call us and we received hundreds and hundreds of phone calls, you know? and every single time we were going there. Uh? And guess what in a, well You're
1: like the detectives that like a detective the, on, the, on, some, on the bad
2: on some bad calls yeah, and the good calls yeah some, <laughs> sometimes it was a bit sad because they were calling us and it was not even a vine you know it was like a <laughs> bad plan, you know interior plant or something was well, so anyway but in some in in 54 occasions we have found varieties that the DNA doesn't match with any of the existing varieties in the world not only the spanish ones okay <laughs> so um, once you find these, uh, these, uh, one of these ancient plants, most of the times it's, it's very sick, it's full of viruses. So there's a process of cleaning uh, from all these viruses, this, this plant, and then you have to reproduce it and you get a small plant on, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a tube with uh, nutrients and step by step you grow it and you adapt it to the, to the field And you have to learn because uh, there's no track, there's no record of these vines. You don't know which kind of grapes are gonna produce, which kind of soils do they like. And just for you to have an idea, it takes between 10 and 15 years to realize the potential of every one of these varieties. Okay,
0: So, so when you're going through this process then, and you realize that you have something new, are you giving it a new name? Or are you trying to use old materials from prephylloxera trying to identify mm. these grapes to see if they are like yeah. really long-lost heritage vines.
2: Yeah, well, you know, the, the truth is that we, we tried, we, we, we tried to look at the old books of viticulture in Spain but honestly, the, the description that they do of the grapes, you know, that, oh, yes, it has a green leaf and, yeah, you know, so. like a yellow skin. <laughs> well, you know, the truth is so vague that it's, it's almost impossible to say that each one corresponds to that one. So, what we have done is to put the name of the place where we found that variety. Yeah. Is uh, the name of the town or the topographic name in a map? No? This is what we do. So, what do those two
1: grape varieties bring to
2: the wine? Okay. Uh, Kerol is a very, I would say, <laughs> it's, it's a very unique variety, it's a, it's a feminine variety, and that means that to pollinize uh, needs, needs a pollen of other vines. So the, uh, at the end, the result is that the, the grapes of the Kedol, okay, they turn out to be extremely, extremely small and with no seeds, okay? That's kind of what we call a, a chronical mi- mi- lerandash. Where, where, where you have you know, grapes that are four times less the size of a regular grape, no? So what it brings eh, is, uh, uh, well, with the skin, it, it has a beautiful, beautiful color. It has great concentration. It always brings aromas of uh, palm grenade, uh, also of, uh, of green leaves like, like, like the fig trees, and, uh, and it's a very dominant variety. Actually, it's so, it's so dominant that just 20% that this is the percentage that it has in this wine would be what uh, would be like 50% of Garnacha, you know? Like it's, it's it's a very powerful variety. That's why we we believe it's ideal for blending. Yeah? Okay. Yes.
0: Really interesting to say pomegranate, because as soon as you said that, it's just like, yeah, like right on the, yeah, on the mid palate, it's mm-hmm. really, but like sweet, pomegranate, it doesn't have any sourness. Yeah, there's no to bitterness it. to this
2: one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the other variety? The other variety is called uh, Garro, okay? King. And it's a variety that is very floral, is very uh, light, uh, low in alcohol. So, Grands uh, Mureas at the end is a, is a blend of the, of these five five varieties. And as we have a very uh, a very dominant, that is the Carol, we also like the Garro to to bring the balance uh, at the end of the blend. So, would you ever make single varieties of these just to see we are We are starting to make uh single varieties of some of the ancestral varieties, but not of these two particular ones eh? we 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 have discovered some others that are, that they have properties that they can work very well as as mono varietals and that's what i'm planting today i mean it is interesting my My father was planting Cabernet Sauvignon and i'm planting more the ancestral varieties now so it's uh' this uh these changes in generations but uh but we're having a lot of fun. With going, it. going back to the old. <laughs> Absolutely. Got it.
1: So uh, we'll
2: move on. Now this one
1: is is, uh, is something that we see in the in the province often. Uh, mm-hmm. Perpetual. Mm-hmm.
2: perpetual. Uh, Do you like that one? Yeah. It looks yes.
1: like perpetual, but yes. uh, which means it should come out all the time. But uh, this is a this is usually a lovely wine, and again we're looking at the two thousand and sixteen. Yeah, so yeah. we've moved from fifteen. The first three wines were two thousand and fifteen. Yeah. Now we've moved mm-hmm. into the two thousand and sixteens. Um, again, tell us a little bit about what's in imp- mm. Perpetual. Mm.
2: Well, Perpetual is, is a wine uh, from the Priorat, and uh, we, we, we already talked about this magical place, mm. it's, a, it's a magical land, and one of the treasures of the Priorat here are the old vines of uh, Cariñena and Garnacha, okay? Uh, here we're talking that at least uh, vines that uh, they have 75 years old, okay? Vines that they are all planted on what we call costes, so in slopes, even without terraces, just in the pure slope. And, uh, and especially the Cariñena, because most of the uh, uh, old vines that you find in the Pirat, uh, like 90% they are Cariñena. So this is a blend that is around 95% Cariñena, 5% Garnacha. Uh, why 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 Cariñena? To to me, Cariñena, uh, it's a variety that really brings Brings this character of the of the Priorat soils, this this minerality, this tension, this edge, on a way that that no other variety can do it. No, it's a, to to me when you drink this wine, it's like you, you you take a cable and you plug it into the soil. You, you can feel that you are there. It's, a, it's, it's very unique, very unique. No, it's
0: a nice fruit. It full on red, like yeah. candied red fruit. It, Tastes I get like, little, it tastes like fruit roll-ups, but, but, I, but I, I get a little bit of sweet chocolate in here as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. And
1: that, that the tannins are, are really nice; they're almost silky. Mm-hmm. Completely. And then there's that stony minerality to that wine, also. Mm-hmm. So that, that it really
0: plays off of the whole thing. You know, that red is fruit. This, is this one where the alcohol's at fifteen percent?
2: yeah this is, this is about 15% yes yes yeah. this is
0: the first one where i can actually feel a bit of the warmth of the alcohol but it's still very nicely balanced yeah my, yeah. my cheeks got a little red yeah <laughs> I, can feel, I can almost feel that coming up but i was like oh i like that but well, it's just it's so different from everything else we've tasted yeah. so far i yeah. mean everything else has just been that acid backbone and everything kind of structured around that and this is just unapologetically Bad. candied red fruit <laughs> and
2: Silky and yeah. yeah. This is, uh, just for you to know, this is a wine that comes from five different villages, okay? Uh, if you like names, it comes from Porrera, Torroja, Lloar, Molar, and Belmun, okay? So five different and villages. And And the other four? Where, oh, and is where they, uh, they um,
1: is where they Film, Baywatch, uh, Watch, for in Spain, <laughs> I don't know. if Okay, yeah. Now, yeah, the other four villages. <laughs> I know. Not
2: the god. Not even to try. Well, you know, these are these are very uh, small towns in the Pyrénées. It's, it's a beautiful thing because these towns have remain have remained as they were with the vineyards as they were, you know, a long time ago. So where does the name come from, though? Perpetual, you know, it, it, it means, uh, you know, that, that it's, it stays in time, you know. And, and this is what you feel when you go to, to, to the pre You You feel like, you know, uh, 300 years ago, you are looking at the same thing, you know. Uh, it, nothing has really changed much there, which is uh, beautiful. It has resisted, no?
1: And how long have you been making the Perpetual?
2: The first vintage of Perpetual was the 2005. So it is much younger. It's a new wine, yeah. Yes,
1: yes. So, or should I stand in with the other people? So the, the Reserva Real, which was the Bordeaux blend? Yes. The first vintage of that one?
2: The, the first vintage of Reserva Real was uh, nine, 19, uh, 1997. And the Grand uh, Mural?
1: Grande Mural is
2: Grand 1996.
1: Okay, so then I understand, and I could be wrong here, the, the final wine we're going to be talking about, Más de la Rosa, is yeah. pretty
2: new. This is the, new vin- the, the first vintage ever. There you first go. First vintage ever. Huh? So we've gone but from 74
0: s- to, hang no. but that's old vines on it, yeah. Viñas yeah.
2: Bellas. Viñas Bellas, these are also plus that? 75. Nailed yeah. it. Good job, good job. Yeah. And what You, you should- get a piece of bread. Yeah. <laughs> a stick of bread. Yeah. Well, uh, what you should know too now is that from, from this year on, the Priorat has been the, the first appellation that, that has set a, a new regulation that protects the name Vinas Bellas, all vines on the label. Every time that you're going to see this on a label, it means that the vines are at least 75 years old. It's the first appellation in Spain that does this. I think that's you, the
0: first uh, yeah. region that we've talked about where the term is regulated. Correct. Because we still have, we have people in Ontario, for better or for worse, who are starting to have the word old vines creep onto. 30, labels, but 30 old years old. Old vines in Ontario means 30 years. Mm-hmm. I think in France, the rule of thumb is generally 50 years, but also not a regulated term mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. It's but important, yeah. yeah. So this is this is great, so 75 years or more.
2: 75 years, and, and this uh, Mas, Mas de la Rosa is a name of a, of a very tiny valley, it's almost like an amphitheater. Huh? And, uh, and we, we, we discovered these uh, two hectares of vineyard, uh, thanks that the fact that we were looking for grapes for perpetual, no, okay. a- and we find Mas de la Rosa, and uh, always there, the, you know, the, the wine had a special finesse, a special elegance, uh, and the thing is that the owner, who is a, a good friend of mine, is uh, Mr. Manolo de l'Aguila. Uh, you know, I always wanted to buy him this vineyards, but, but he said, well, you know, since I was a kid, I was taking care of these uh, vines, and I can perfectly understand this is, this is his passion, no? And, uh, and, uh, well, one day I woke up and I went to talk with Manolo and I said, look, why, why, why don't we do a deal? I know that you want to make a wine from this, no? So, but you want to keep working on this vineyard, so why don't you join and, and you can work these vineyards as much as time as you want. We work together and, uh, and, and and then we can have this vineyard and we can make the wine here, no? So he was very happy, we, he accepted. So he's right now in Porrera, he's in Mas de la Rosa, uh, taking care of these vines and uh, we could happen to make the first vintage of Masa La Rosa. Huh? So what is
1: the great variety in here?
2: This is uh, has a, lar- a larger proportion of Cariñena but also has a Garnacha and a tiny bit of Picapoll, which is a variety that you can find a bit randomly Picapole. in some Picapol. Yes. Picapole. yes uh. We're learning about all <laughs> kinds of new varieties today.
0: <laughs> hey, we're just getting yeah. a, a workout. We will be experts in Spanish by the end of this.
1: You <laughs> go down to the streets and yeah. start saying by moon and pick up all and uh, yeah. people will be looking at us
2: yeah like you you'll you sound like local yeah that's absolutely. It. <laughs> absolutely they will think that you're a catalan yes, yes. <laughs> so I, I love
1: the red fruit in in this wine it's just absolutely like you said the last one had a lot of red fr- this one is like cherry the last, one, the last
0: one was the last one was full on like mm. it, it, it tasted like a fruit roll-up it yeah. tasted like you know what i try to trade my lunch away for in grade 8 Mm-hmm. And but still, been dry. Now, I think, yeah, no one's bringing fruit rolls to work. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's why you guys got to go down to the high school and see what we get. <laughs> this this one's a little bit more. You said the word austere earlier. I think it's yeah. a little bit, definitely more austere than uh, yeah. than the perpe- perpetual. Uh, yeah, it's almost got some. But there's a, like a
1: creaminess to the yeah,
2: middle. Here we 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 actually try to to do a lower days of extraction. I I, I felt I feel like. Like in this wine, uh, sometimes you feel like this less less is more, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 we feel like uh, yeah that that with less uh, less extraction you can really uh, see more the message of this vineyard. You can see this, this mona- more more mi- this minerality, the fruit coming. Uh, so yeah, this. Um, this is a very special wine to me. Huh?
1: And how, mu- how much of this do you make from, you only uh, two is, hectares, you uh, said?
2: Yes, uh, it's just 186 cases, this first vintage of 12 bottles. Yeah. So that's, yeah, this is a very And special.
0: there's one, one case coming to Ontario or to Canada? 60 bottles in total to Canada. Uh, uh, 60, 60 cases, 60, oh, sorry, 60, 60
2: bottles, 60 five bottles, cases. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, but I mean, there's... This is what it is, you know, when when, when you go there, you will see, it's, it's a very tiny place but it has been isolated, protected from any uh, road or electrical <laughs> wire or anything, math, it's 136, beautiful.
1: 136 uh, cases, 136 or 186?
2: Uh, 186. 86. Yes. We're
1: getting, Canon's getting a third. That's not bad.
2: <laughs> no, it's bottles. No. Bottles. 60 bottles. Oh, bottles. I thought he <laughs> saw so. it. <laughs> oh, all right. Now are so uh, Yeah, we're not getting that. Sorry, cases, <laughs> that. Sorry,
0: I heard cases. Yeah. Oh man, wow, that's pretty good. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I Miguel, mean, yeah, uh, this is a, a great lineup of wine, and we, we really appreciate you coming out to Toronto. Uh, we hope that you'll come to the podcast again when you have uh, more new wines and you come to Toronto. So mm-hmm. look us yeah, up. You, you,
0: we have no Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. There was a, I believe it was a Chardonnay. I guess next time we'll have to make sure we yes. taste the Chardonnay. Next time we have to taste. I know Michael's heartbroken about it. Yeah, it's I'm really hurrying a large uh, Chardonnay lover, but uh, my heart's actually broken.
2: But you uh, are you
1: coming for the I4C again this year?
2: Uh, I have to, I have to check. Uh, I don't know if I maybe my father is coming. I don't know. Well, no. no, no, no. But Mar- but Torres sure. will be there. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yes, probably. No. No. Carlin, oh, no? Okay. Oh, so, we have oh. been there many years. I don't know. <laughs> so much for that. I know they were there last
1: year or uh, two thousand seventeen. Yes, yes, you were
2: definitely yes, I mean, there. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I just I just want to say, you know, like we I was I had a great fun. Testing, no? But I, I always also want to give a message, you know, that is, uh, this is something that, that we're facing and we are fighting very, very hard during the past years and, and it's something very serious that we're talking about the climate change, you know. Yep. And it's... Yeah, in Sa- my favorite topic. Yeah, favorite. yeah, well, in, in Spain we, we see the effects, but in many places too, and uh, and I just uh, want to comment about this, you know, it's, uh, it, it's been a great challenge for, for, uh, for us and for all the winemakers in the world. The temperatures already increase almost almost a degree in most of the vineyards in the world. In in Spain in Catalonia, it's a, a bit more than one degree during the past thirty years, and is expected to raise by two by two degrees if, if we if we actually can lower the carbon footprint in the next twenty years. No, which uh, yeah, th- there are several doubts about this. No, so it's a uh, it's a great challenge. Uh, to to me, it's a much bigger challenge than even the phylloxera. And we really have to be conscious about how uh, how the wine industry can lead, you know, this change, and we can make uh, make wines that actually uh, become a solution, no, and can fight against the climate change. We we have achieved to to reduce our carbon footprint by almost thirty percent since two thousand eight. We want to reach fifty uh, percent uh, on two thousand thirty and we are doing a lot of projects. We are, we are planting uh, vineyards in places that before it was impossible, uh, but now the temperatures are increasing and, and, and we can plant there. Is, it, is it going higher up?
1: Is, is what higher up, doing?
2: higher up. I mean, if we want to look for the freshness or we find varieties that, uh, these interesting, some of the ancestral varieties that we have found, they have an amazing acidity, and that's why we are planting them. They 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 they, they, are, they are great for a warmer climate. So we can still make wines in the places where we are, or if not, we have to go to higher altitudes. Uh, every hundred meters up, you you go is one degree less, and we are planting vineyards even in the Pyrenees. You know, before it was uh, unthinkable. You know, uh, it was impossible to ripe anything there. Now now it's ripe. we are ripening grapes in the Pyrenees. So uh, things are changing very fast, and and. I just want to say that it is, it's so important that, that we think uh, about uh, about our choices, no? about, uh, about the things we buy, about the uh, well, food that we eat, about everything, because we, we, we really have to embrace this challenge. What, yeah. what
0: kind of things uh, is the winery doing to reduce its carbon footprint?
2: Well for example, during the past years we, we invest very heavily, and I'm saying that because th- thanks God that we are a family company, otherwise they would have kick us out you know because it's is a, a great great investment on on solar panels on photovoltaic panels, biomass boilers uh, to heat up water f- from the cuttings after the pruning you know uh, geothermal energy um, well a uh, lot of activities we are we are planting a lot of forest today we can say that we have almost the same amount of vineyards than of forest okay. Uh, we are we, we we have changed a lot of things in the winery. It's, it is it is not easy to reduce the uh, 30%. Uh, the, it's you cannot do it in one project. We have we we have done close to 100 different small projects that allows us to to get to this path. No, there's a, there's a still a lot to to do. Uh, we re- recently created an association with uh, with uh, the Jackson family in the U.S international wineries for the climate action, where we really want to 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 uh, to invite all the wineries that that want to do this change, but a real change, investing and showing that they are reducing the carbon footprint, not not just something of marketing or anything like this, uh, real real changes, and uh, yes, and and we are setting now all the protocols so that uh, everyone that can that want to 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 embrace this fight can can also join.
1: Mm-hmm. And you're also finding, I, I would suspect, a lot more drought-like conditions because of it too.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and it's not only the increase of temperatures and the lack of water, it's also the climatic events that uh, there was, they, are, they are totally unexpected and we don't have record of them. I can tell you, for example, I remember two thousand and seventeen. Okay, we had a frost that destroyed the forty the, percent the of the potential grapes that we uh, that, that 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 the vineyards in Catalonia could make. On the same year, we had hail in August that was a terrible hail that destroyed uh, ten or twenty percent more. The same year in in Chile, we also have vineyards in Chile. The temperature was so high, you know, that a spontaneous. Fo- uh, fires started to appear all over the country, wow. and several of our vineyards got, got burned, a, a, a vineyard burned because of the fires, can, can, can you believe this, it's amazing, but this is some of the climatic events that, that we're facing uh, all, all over the world, I have friends, uh, they make wine in, in Italy, in France, in many places, and, and uh, it's happening everywhere.
1: We will be talking to uh, Jackson Family Wines as well, oh, um, fantastic. we have them coming up. We're still working on a date, but we know <laughs> that they're uh, they're in contact, so it's uh you know we'll be able to talk to them about it as well. So it's interesting yeah. to have that kind of link, uh, you know, from Spain all the way to the U.S.
0: So yeah, yeah, it's tough on. to to segue out of this because we went from just tasting these great wines to talking about something pretty pretty, pretty serious. It's bit, yeah, it's a very it, it got real,
2: got real. Yeah, but you know, yeah, I'm. It's a, it's a great challenge, but I, I totally am positive, and I believe that, that we can do it, you know. If, uh, if we can reduce at these levels the carbon footprint, we can make it. We, we have uh, the next one or two decades to change this, and I think that we can do it.
0: Great. Thank you very much, Miguel, for, thank, uh, thank you for, this, for the invitation. talking about uh-huh. this important topic. Thanks for coming on again,
1: Miguel. As I said, next time in Toronto, I hope you look this up. <laughs> thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank
0: you very much for the invitation. I'm always always fascinated by the winemakers that we speak with. I love hearing the stories. I love listening to them talk about the viticulture, whatever they want to talk about, pH balances everything. But the way Miguel was talking to us about everything, uh, we were both on the edge of our seat. We were both on the edge of our seat and I really hope you listening to this podcast were just as on the edge of your seat as we were.
1: We literally were. Um but the the, the most uh we we talked about the wines and then um and we we we're having one of those Great conversations and every I, I think every wine, every conversation we have with a winemaker is a great conversation. But it was really interesting because we were getting like that wrap up sign from the handler and then he goes, you know, give me a minute here. I really want to tell you something that's important. And then when he got into, you know, global warming and the issues that they're having in Spain. Uh, like, we were all ears. We wanted to hear this, this, this topic. And we didn't you know, feel like jumping in and asking well, I mean, questions because he, he was so passionate about what he was talking
0: about. Well, and, and I know especially around the California drought when we were talking to Californian winemakers, uh, climate change was always very front of mind. And I, I really do feel like maybe in Ontario we're a little bit immune to the concerns of, of climate change just given how special the region is and frankly... We, we, could we could use a little more heat. Well, we consider our our our, our hot years uh, the good years, but um, you know, I think listening to how passionate Miguel was just off the cuff talking about what his winery is doing for climate change, uh, I think that's something we are going to focus on for the podcast. So, if you're an agent or you're a winery listening to this and you are doing something to help the environment and you're really concerned about what the future of the planet is, send us a note to uh, two guys talking wine at gmail dot com. We'd love to talk to you and. Really shed some more light on on the situation and what people are doing to make sure that we have wine in the future.
1: And, and, and as uh, Miguel said, uh, they partnered up with the Jackson family. Yep, and we'll be having them on as well, so it gives us another line of questioning for them.
0: So. Absolutely. Uh, so thanks to Diana and uh, Dan Durand for making this happen. Wines were fantastic. Um, stuff I will be looking forward to in the classics catalog. Possibly a one hundred and forty dollar a bottle of wine in my future, but uh, we'll see what the budget looks like.
1: I bet you don't get it. I think you can talk your wife into one hundred and ten. I don't think you can talk to her one forty.
0: It's one twenty nine. One twenty nine is the top right now. Oh, uh, it's eleven. dollars I only dollars have more. eleven dollars to go. All right, let's see how far you can take her.
1: I'm Michael Pinkus of MichaelPinkusWineInterview dot
0: uh, Check Patreon we would love some uh, subscribers to that so uh, once again you'll you'll get some more information on that and uh, I'm Andre Proof under winereview.ca Good night! Thanks for listening please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes